All right, please, uh, let's get started here. Uh, we are going to get back to the Kingdom of God series um, next Sunday. I am going to uh, do a little vision casting today. Please go with me to Romans chapter 10. Okay, so I am going to start with uh, right in the middle of a sentence with verse 9 and go to the end of the chapter or so. So if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Hopefully by now you've heard enough of where we're coming from to put much more content in that than the average American Christian who's thinking of belief as just an intellectual assent to uh, certain doctrinal ideas. Belief is trusting in, clinging to, relying on, and following. If you're not obeying, if you're not, if you do not have a major passion in your heart to become like Jesus Christ and to know him, to worship him, to glorify him, to lay down your life, be conformed to his cross and his death, to, to say, no longer my will, but thy will be done, Lord, then it's doubtful whether you're converted or not. Okay? That is what happens when your spirit is reborn and when you are converted to the gospel. You may not have a particularly wonderful follow-through all the time because that has to do with your sanctification and your maturation. But from the beginning of your Christian life, you should have a desire to know God, follow God, obey God, and become like God. That is, that's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And there is no biblical warrant for any kind of salvation that doesn't start with that. Because that's what he's saving you from is, is not having that. <laughs> when you're dead in your trespasses and sins, you want to have you be your sinner. And you are the Lord, and you. that's why people have control issues, anger management issues, uh, worries, anxieties. Worry and anxiety is a major gift from God to you to say you have two masters. Study Matthew 6, 19 through 34. If you have a tendency to become fearful, worried, anxious, it's because you have two masters in your heart, and you can't serve two masters. So, again, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be delivered. It means from all things pertaining to the fall of man, the, the demonic kingdom, delivered from demons, healed physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and transferred out of one kingdom into another kingdom. And your life should so reflect that that even unbelievers go, what happened to you? That's probably enough on that. For, with the heart, man believes, resulting in righteousness. With the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture has, says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. Uh, there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is of all, abounding in riches for all who call upon him. And whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Uh, that's uh, quoting Acts 2 when Peter uh, when Peter is actually quoting Joel too. How then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good news, good things. However, they do not heed the glad tidings, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. 
So what I want us to see here this morning, uh, glad Nathan's here to hear this, because uh, we've been talking to Nathan behind the scenes about this, um, is just a little bit about where I'm going. No one can come to Christ until we know the gospel, and we know the gospel in such a way that we preach the gospel. And so there's, there's uh, in the New Testament, there's two major ways God has called you to proclaim your faith. One has often been called lifestyle evangelism. God wants you, if you work at the Air Force Base, you should be the best worker in your office. You want to represent Christ in your neighborhood, in your office, in your work, in your anything. God's called you to, right? That's called lifestyle evangelism. One of the reasons we try to cluster and live in neighborhoods together and have small groups and fellowship is when people can see just one guy doing that, it's much easier to dismiss than when they see a bunch of people doing that together. Right? So, but the, the other type of evangelism in the New Testament is called proclamation evangelism. And uh, proclamation evangelism should be with signs and wonders, uh, what John Wimber called power evangelism. Those two should go together. And uh, so um, proclamation evangelism is just based on the idea that God has called us to specifically go and seek audiences that have not heard uh, the gospel. And in our day and age, that often means uh, overcoming the fact that they've heard pretty much a misrepresented or twisted or perverted uh, version of Christianity. And so what we're up against is can we help them see that and help them see the, uh, the true gospel? What I'm uh, wanting to do here specifically is trying to be at a place that we will be doing no church projects. Other than that, what, here's what I want to do this summer. I am really going to be trying to raise up a team of people who know how to go out and cold call evangelism. I'm talking walk up to people in the union at Wright State and say, hi, we're from uh, what, are, what are we called? Rock Campus Fellowship. And uh, we're, we're from somewhere. Yeah, we're, we're from, I don't know, we're Moonies or something, but uh, we're from uh, somewhere in, in, in a place and time in the time-space continuum near you. And uh, we would like to uh, take a few minutes to talk to you about the Christian faith and uh, lifestyle. And from there... Uh, we have what we call uh, a diagnostic kit question, uh, get them talking about certain things that'll tell us where they're at spiritually, a transitional question that'll transition into being able to present them the gospel. And I am looking to specifically Nathan, Deanna, Catherine, Stephen Leopold. Um, I am considering others, but I haven't had enough talks with you to see if you want to be on board with that. Uh, this is going to need to be people who can get to a place where this this coming school year, at least once a week, they go out sharing the gospel and that they know how to uh, present it the way I feel like the Lord has taught us to do it, which includes we're not trying to lead people to Christ in our first presentation. 
As weird as this may sound to you, almost all, if you read Evangelism Explosion, James Kennedy's program, or anyone else's, uh, I, I, most, uh, most evangelism campaigns are, are designed to try to get them to pray a sinner's prayer the first time you talk to them. In my mind, that's a big mistake. Partially based on Matthew 13, when Jesus talks about the four types of human hearts, that is the four times of soil, and the, and the clear issue is that the soil was different. The heart was different in each of the four, and only one of the four retained, the, uh, you know, received the word implanted, as Paul, Peter says, you received the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Let the word germinated, uh, developed, and, and then bore a crop, 30, 60, and 100 fold over a long period of time. One of the guys who lost it, and by the way, all of the three that didn't get it, they, they under-evaluated the word of the kingdom, and I would even argue the messenger. Because Jesus says, you can't see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. God will send different people in your life at different times. And a big part of your spiritual warfare will be to try to separate you from listening to that person or those people, hopefully a church. Because um, that's why Satan is the accuser of the brethren, and he works overtime before you ever meet the gospel or anyone carrying the gospel. One of Satan's primary goals in any time period, any culture, that he's trying to work toward individual people is to get you defensive, uh, unable to hear uh, something uh, hard to hear, confrontational, un unable to hear anything that evaluates you as not uh, perfect. We have increasingly defined love, C.S. Lewis addresses this in his book, The Problem of Pain, in the 50s, that we've become a culture and he saw it as that it would go further than that. I don't think he envisioned it would go as far as we're at today, but he uh, envisioned that we are becoming a culture where love is defined as all encouragement, all acceptance, all approbation, all, nice, nice, nice all the time. And nice, nice, nice is really, really, really mean. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. You have to be, uh, if, if you are starting to make any progress towards reality, towards truth, that is towards salvation, the first thing you have to do is lovingly, willingly accept and, and agree with some very difficult things about yourself. You were created in the image of God for a very noble purpose. And your whole life has been a, a, a missing of that. You are an underachiever. You are lost. You are wrongly motivated. And uh, you are offending a very holy God in doing so. And worse than that, there's nothing you can do about it. And uh, you're dead. <laughs> And uh, you need to hear his voice say, Lazarus, come forth, have your spirit quickened, and repent. But repentance means, repentance is always based on the word confession, and confession is the Greek word homologeo. We all know homogenized milk or homosexual means the same, 
logos, the word. To confess is to begin to say the same thing God says about it. Now, I have a whole teaching I'm not going to get to today that will be part of this summer thing that I'll be doing uh, about uh, the missing elements in the Americanized gospel. But the most missing element is the bad news. Increasingly, churches, beginning in the late 1800s, it really accelerated at, at World War II, uh, have only stressed the good news parts of the gospel. And we have a hard time understanding why they don't flock to it, why they don't, why do they think it's irrelevant, and so forth. But the reason they don't flock to it, why they don't have any parameters in their heart or mind or whatever to see the importance of it, therefore they fall into the first three guys in Matthew 13, they're not the fourth guy who heard the word and retained it. The reason for all of that is because everything in their experience and their mindset is denying the bad news. Therefore, they don't need any good news. And that's actually what, you know, uh, almost all churches are trying to get you to learn the good news. But actually, you need to learn how to lovingly help them see the bad news. You can't bear any fruit till you do that. The word of God is a sword, and swords hurt. They cut. The word of God is a light. There is a, a need to understand our times and understand the gospel of the kingdom and to be trained and equipped in it. Jesus said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Part, his goal in discipling them was at least in part to improve their fishing. Uh, that's kind of what I'm planning to do this summer is really focus on that with a few individuals. And uh, I will probably have teachings a couple different nights a week that you can attend, even if I don't invite you to be a part of that. Uh, but if you want to be a part of that, you know, it'll take a few discussions because I'm really kind of looking for some people that are on board with me and that are kind of past having troubles with my authority. And that's because frankly, that's the whole locus of spiritual warfare. And it's something that I'm really trying to address this year. Um, Frank, you know, like we have elders and there's a kingdom and it's not a democracy. And uh, uh, even in the days of Jesus, some people rejected John the Baptist, some people rejected Jesus and they all, said it was a style issue, right? They accused John the Baptist of uh, being, uh, what did they accuse him of being? Uh, yeah, ascetic, you know. He comes neither eating nor drinking, and then, of course, they accused Jesus of, in the King James, being a wine-bibber. I, I love those old King James. But, you know, a glutton and a drunkard, a wine-bibber. If you... It's one reason you need to learn how to share the gospel, not in the King James. You're a wine bibber. What does that mean? <laughs> I haven't worn a bib since I was like two. But uh, so um, I, you know, I uh, got some back issues. One of the things that uh, I've never had is kind of some support help on the secretarial level. I am working with Catherine and, and Deanna to do that for the time being. Uh, frankly, Stephen Leopold is becoming a very, very, uh, I kind of wonder where he is this morning, but hopefully everything's okay with him. He'll be here for the second service. Is he on this way? Oh, he's where? Oh, that's right. I think he told me that. But anyway, 
Uh, Stephen is just like working hours and hours and hours behind the scenes for the church. Like three or four days a week, he's here three or four hours and uh, he's doing a lot of stuff. And hopefully, uh, uh, but uh, you know, what I want to do here is we're, we're kind of at the place where, you know, we grew um, in 2013 and 14, we grew from about 20 or 22 people attending to now we average in the low 40s. Some of that was wonderful things like Terry Pellegrino. Uh, he and I started in January of 14, right? And uh, Terry came to know the Lord. Uh, he got baptized in the Spirit, when about October maybe or something like that. Uh, you know, all along he was uh, – he. Uh, was reading the Bible and you're well in on your way through the second time through your New Testament and and how are you doing in the Old Testament? You, you, but are, is it bounce around you? Does it bounce you around or? Oh, but you're reading all the notes. So you started in Genesis. Are you in like Exodus or where are you? Genesis. Okay, but you're reading all the notes. Good. So you know, and he's read probably seven or eight foundational books that I've had asked him to read, right? And uh, listened to probably at least a dozen extra messages that I've had asked you to leave and so forth. And beyond that, he's just coming to Christ and uh, starting to grow in Christ and toddling. It's probably somewhere in that infant toddler stage. And uh, we we want to keep that up, but I need to multiply the number of people who can do that. You know, the reason I took a couple weeks off uh, and had Jason share and stuff is just to get some things going with my health and so forth. I can't maintain a pace of like a dozen different individual Bible studies a week uh, that are three hours long. <laughs> you know, that right there is like 36 hours a week on top of everything else. So uh, John had a message. This is where I need you to take notes and I need Emily to remind me because I have it in my phone. John had a message uh, on Acts chapter 6, and I'm going to give you the date of it, because on the podcast, you go and you listen. You uh, The most current one is first, and then they go backward uh, based on when Emily posted them, not based on when they were actually given. But what was the name of the message and the date? Faithful to the end. August 26th. August 26th. Now, 2013. So it's bet you're going to have to scroll back away. But what he basically did was he sh uh, was doing a series on the book of Acts at the time. And um, he basically looked at in Acts 6, there's a situation where the uh, Hellenistic Jews uh, were being, the widows of the Hellenistic Jews were being overlooked in the, in the uh, church's charitable efforts of ser serving because uh, Widows were served a daily meal and so forth. And um, basically, the apostles said, we can't uh, take time away from the word of God, both the studying of it and the proclaiming of it, to, to admit, wait tables. We And uh, many people think the deacon ministry was actually born out of this and so forth. But what John really made clear was the second tier of leadership in the church began to emerge at that time, especially three individuals, Stephen, who... Uh, didn't last long. Act seven, he was gone, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, but his influence is actually, if you read third and fourth century, Stephen was like very popular in the church for several centuries. Um, then Philip, and although he's not mentioned as he's not one of the seven in Act six, Barnabas begins to emerge, and others. 
And it was really as a second tier of leadership became fruitful, being able to represent Christ, the power of the Spirit, etc., uh, that's when uh, the church really kicked it into gear uh, throughout the Roman Empire. And that's the, that's the thing that we've had the most trouble with, frankly, at Grace Christian Fellowship, because here's the issue. You, there's, you, you cannot have either of these ingredients missing to have this. You've got to have the knowledge base, and you've got to have the consistency of character. Now, we are a church who is purposely ministering to people who come from all socioeconomic statuses, and many people, especially if you went to public schools, and especially if those public schools happen to be city public schools, you are probably challenged in your learning abilities. But that can be changed. That's something that I'm really going to press for. It is not loving to not say that and to not risk hurting some feelings and so forth. The truth is we have all sorts of learning levels in our church and some people need to address that issue. I don't, I think Logan is a secure enough individual. To, I believe Logan is called to be a youth minister. I believe Logan will either start our Boy Scout troop that will be part of the Kids Rock House overall vision or we might do Royal Rangers and or uh, and or start our ministry to Bellbrook High School or Stivers High School. Because the way we do youth ministry, most churches, the way they do youth ministry is to have it at the church for all the people whose parents make them go to church. <laughs> okay, most of the kids that are downstairs this morning are not people whose, uh, whose parents make them go to church. There are people that Leah Gray and, and Catherine and their team have and Amanda and all the people, you know, the, the ladies, Taylor and Tiffany, who've been doing the cooking and now Beth's doing because the babies are coming. The way. All these people who do all these things for Kids Rock and Whiz Kids. Sydney has been real faithful to that ministry. That's why these kids are here. Sam has helped with that, so forth, right? The, the Bible actually says, go therefore, not bid them to come to you therefore. And that's a basic paradigm shift that we have to accomplish if we're going to do what God wants us to do as a church. We have to, we have to build a little community at Bel- Belmont High School. We have to build a community. What we eventually need is a single sister's house and a single brother's house and a campus ministry house at Wright State. And as a stepping stone to get there, we need a team of people who actually pull out of Wiz Kids and Kids Rock and focus all their efforts on sharing the gospel at Wright State. Because we will never grow if we don't uh, grow among people uh, who uh, are at Wright State and uh, you know that kind of age and so forth. I I am not particularly worried. We had we had a person who visited our church and they were all upset that we didn't have a lot of people Catherine's in my age. Well, we have Catherine and I, <laughs> and this from Vox. And frankly, um, you know, Catherine and I have been di- being discipled and studying the word and conforming our life to Christ since the early seventies. And we have the wisdom and the experience we need. What we need is a bunch of John and Jason's and, and so forth. We need a lot of people that are under, 40 
and full of knowledge and full of wisdom and good social skills because there's three ingredients I started to talk about. You've got to have the knowledge. I said two. I'm upping it to three. See, you never I'm always going to. No. It's like Darth Vader. I changed the deal with, with uh, what was that guy who had the start? Yeah, Lando Calrissian or something like that. I'm changing the terms. Uh, no. So I kind of left one thing out of my mind, actually. Um, you need the knowledge. I am so happy that we now have, uh, I believe we have 11 graduates of our theology class. And we have 10 more signed up to take it. And uh, hopefully that means we'll have 18 to 20 graduates of, of, of that in two years. Uh, on the knowledge, let's just stay on that one for a minute. I want to make sure you understand some things that, that really I don't think everyone in Grace Christian Fellowship always gets. We have a concept called foundational articles. Because there's around 14 or 15 different, it, we, we basically believe that the Holy Spirit came to get, lead and guide us into all truth. A mistake of the Pentecostal and charismatic movement has been that they just have taken their former evangelical think, ways of thinking about God and scripture and kept them after they've encountered the power of the Holy Spirit. And they don't really even fit that well together like a negative eschatology and the power of the Holy Spirit don't go that well together. Remember Charles Simpson, who got baptized in the Spirit in 64, kind of one of the big, probably the top 30 names or so in, in birthing the charismatic movement in the early and mid-60s. Uh, I remember in, hearing him speaking in 74 about post-millennial eschatology and the kingdom of God and so forth. And uh, I remember him saying, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit in 1964. It took 10 years for my theology to catch up with my experience because most people don't know you're supposed to do that. But if you knew that from the beginning, your theology could catch up with your experience in a year or two. The Holy Spirit came to lead you and guide you into all truth, John 16. So we have a thing called foundational articles that's designed to give you just uh, the tip of the iceberg, just a, a little taste of major areas that need to be rethought in order to start to think more biblically. Because if the church was thinking biblically, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. If, it's your, if the, the Christianity in a culture is thinking biblically, the, the culture will be getting more moral. There will be less divorce, more loving of children, less abortion, less child abuse, et cetera, et cetera. It's not an indictment on the world that those nasty, lost, demonic, dead sinners are acting like lost, demonic, dead sinners. It's because there's no restraint in the effectiveness of the Christianity. So if you can't see by now that we need to radically rethink our Christianity, you're really blind. Really, that's, there's no way to soft coat that. We, the Christianity in our culture is just not working. So the foundational articles are just based to give you a little taste I remember trying to get John Gray to read one or two foundational articles. It took me two years to get him to read one. But uh, even now, I don't think I want him to do that. <laughs> um, so um, 
Then we have a thing called the found. And by the way, Deanna Brown is is getting involved in the in the foundational articles. The reason for that new piece of furniture in the back corner is it still needs some modifications because the shells, the slots are too deep, uh, and so forth. But anyway, we need to. Um, I see I'm running out of time, so I'm going to have to sum this up here. We need to get that fixed up a little better, but uh, that's going to have all the foundational articles in it. And Emily is going to get them posted on the website. They'll be formatted differently on the website, easier to read. She's she's reformatting articles, and and Deanna will have them more in a less use less paper format. And I'm and she's going to actually keep a box in the back of my car with with uh, file folders, and and I'm going to have them all updated all the time so I can give them out regularly. We have a foundational book list and or in an intermediate book list. I'll tell you right off the intermediate book list. In, in many cases has the more important paradigm issues, the more important how to see the things more biblically, but the reason, but they're a little harder reading. So that's the only, really the big difference between the foundational book list uh, and the intermediate is the foundational book list is, is pretty much books that everyone should be able to read. Intermediate is a little higher vocabulary and so forth, but, but in some cases they're much richer insights and it's more, more important, okay? So then we have the theology class, uh, and uh, basically this summer I'm really going to focus on starting to train some people to do the following things. One, evangelize. Two, disciple. Uh, really bring about real conversions. Uh, lead people into the baptism in the Spirit, water baptism, the understanding that, the, 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 uh, that when you're converted you get a calling, and that if you if you're really not getting a calling, then it, you know if you if your goals are still selfish, you really haven't been converted, uh, etc. How to cast out demons, all, all that stuff will be part of that. Because we just need to multiply. We need to multiply the number of people who can do all of that. Okay, the ingredients. Because I'm out, I'm way past my time. Uh, were the one I was talking about was knowledge. A second thing though is social skills. And the most important thing of all probably is consistency of character. You know, we still have some people who struggle with staying consistent in just basic Christian disciplines. You know, being on time to meetings, walking in the light with accountability, being a faithful tither, uh, you know, uh, being walking in truth and reality, being, being having consistent Christian character all the time. So that's kind of a little vision casting about what I'm, and I'm hoping to do no remodeling and just totally study and teach and, and disciple this summer.